Hello, and welcome to Ditching Hourly. I'm Jonathan Stark. This time around, I am joined by listener Josh Robbs, who's wondering how to find clients who are big enough to afford his services, but not so big that they have internal employees who already do what he does. Here's Josh. Hey, Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Could you tell folks a little bit about yourself to give them context for the conversation? Certainly. Uh, my name is Josh Robbs. I'm an internet marketer and web designer. I started going freelance about two years ago. Since then, I've been listening to uh, you know your podcast. I've been listening to uh, Philip Morgan. You know your little your little circle of influence. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I've been listening to the podcast. I've been on the the newsletters, and where I am right now is I just came off of two failed attempts at a merger with a buddy of mine. Just the timing was wrong. So I'm kind of restarting myself and I wanted to do it. I wanted to do it right. Mm-hmm. I wanted to lay the groundwork. And so I was doing a bunch of research and I kind of got real flustered with the research. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And the, the, the timing is kind of ironic due to the newsletter you sent last night. Uh, you know, today's the July 12th, the July 11th newsletter was you talking about the research you did when you switched to the credit union position, mm-hmm. which was none, <laughs> which kind of like it took my legs out from underneath me. I was like, oh, wow, I'm a little off topic here or, you know, I'm in the wrong place. <laughs> so really looking forward to this conversation. Sure. Yep. It's a natural, it's a natural inclination to want to have some data when you're going to make what feels like a really big decision. That decision being what vertical market or target market or audience do I want to focus on to uh, do my best work, go deep in a specialty, uh, make it easier for me to market myself to these sorts of people. So when you're faced with that decision, which feels counterintuitive, compared to a more generalist position where you're happy to take all comers, anybody that needs internet marketing or web work, come on down. I'm good at it. I can do it for you too. Uh, you naturally want to have some sort of, um, you want to do some research to get some data to make a, a good decision. <clears throat> Interestingly, or perhaps, um, not surprisingly, I suppose everyone's had this experience at one time or another. The research is, of course, a smart thing to do, but it can also turn into procrastination and it can actually overwhelm you with data. And the, the dear listener, the email that Josh is referring to is, a, is one where I say, you know, I had experience in a few different uh, verticals. You know, things like uh, the photography business and travel and tourism and credit unions. And so, you know, not tons of experience in each, but maybe one or two customers in each of those two or three, let's say. And I had an experience with them that was enough for me to have a gut instinct about the kinds of people that worked in each industry and the sorts of problems that they had and the interesting challenges that they faced and uh, their level of urgency with getting something, the kind of thing I do done. And I just sort of was like, you know what? Hmm. I'm just going to pick credit unions. I, I dig them. I think that the people are super interesting. It's like, it's like a nonprofit bank. It's such a weird thing, you know? So it attracts this sort of tends to attract the kind of person who's, uh, I click with, you know, they're a little bit, a little bit earth friendly, a little bit crunchy and uh, it's wild for the banking industry. So anyway, 
uh, I'm rambling, I guess, but the point is that I had, I didn't do any research, but I did have some information. That's what I'm getting at. I had some information because I had worked with people there. I was familiar enough with the industry to know that I was going to like it. And the market's gigantic. You know, credit unions are a small ish thing, but there's still something like 3000 of them in the United States. And I could probably only ever work with three or four at a time, you know, so there's plenty. I would never live long enough to go through every credit union. So you sent an email in about what you call the Goldilocks problem. Could you describe that a little bit? In my research, I was looking at, you know, a set of criteria I had, uh, you know, in general terms, you know, do they have the money? Do they know they have a problem? Uh, and are they ambitious enough to get it fixed? Mm-hmm. But it seemed like that was the minimum minimum criteria. But then when you looked at the maximum criteria, they butted up against each other. If they were so ambitious that they would want it fixed, if they, you know, if they were too ambitious, they would have fixed it already. If they were making enough money to afford paying someone to fix the problem, that's good. But there's a point where they're making so much money that that they just don't care. Uh, so I was having trouble trying to figure out what do you look for mm-hmm. in doing in doing the research because you know if they're not ambitious, it's you know it looks just like they have a problem that needs solved. So mm-hmm. there's is the porridge too hot? Is the porridge <laughs> too cold? I'm looking for the porridge that's just right, but there's a, you know, a thousand bowls of porridge that all look the same. And I'm, I'm trying to find the one that's the right fit. Right. Yeah. I totally understand. This is like an, it's like the natural reaction in this situation. So let me share a couple of things that, uh, I had learned along the way working with credit unions specifically that, that probably would have come up in research had I needed to do it. And one thing was that there were there are a whole bunch of online publications and and fintech financial tech conferences that folks like uh, you know decision makers and upper level management at credit unions go to or pay attention to or you know they basically devote their energy to reading and following and listening to when they're thinking about keeping up with what they do in at work you know how do they stay cutting edge in their business what would a president or cio or cto of a credit union listen to, to to stay up to date and on the one end they you know or the high end i should say they'll they probably read harvard business review just you know sort of sort of a general leadership publication but they also follow these, you know, there's set websites like Credit Union Times and they have conferences and you can go and look and say, okay, what articles are people responding to? Are they tech articles that are something that I can address? You know, so I can, I can look and say, you know, because what I do is mobile strategy consulting. So if somebody, if, if a credit union is trying to engage their members more deeply with say a a digital, some kind of digital experience, probably on mobile, then I can look around at these conference talks and the speakers who uh, have a big following on Twitter or wherever on LinkedIn. And I can look at the articles that are getting written and, and seem to be getting the most 
uh, engagement. And if those things are things like, you know, um, about onboarding new members on mobile or conversational computing interfaces, because, you know, Google assistant is now on iOS and Android. And how do we create a user experience around that? I can look and see what, what things are of interest to these people, what's on their mind and be like, Oh, you know what? I could actually speak intelligently about a segment of these things. Uh, the industry clearly cares about it. So hmm, I, I could actually see myself speaking at one of these conferences about a topic like this, or I could see myself writing for one of these magazines or publications about one of these topics. And I could, you know, it was like, uh, it was something that I came across in my research and it was enough for me to be like, okay, you know, I could be seen as an expert at my thing for this audience because they do seem to care about it. So then the size thing, you brought up the size thing. So if a, if an organization is really small, maybe they have one branch or no branches. One branch is actually worse than no branches <laughs> to tell you the truth. But let's say they have one branch. Uh, let's say I look at their financials and I know that their member base or their um, uh, assets under management or numbers like those, or their strategy, their mission, all of these things are public. You can look them up. If they're really small, the odds of me coming in and doing like uh, a redesign of their mobile onboarding process for new members, the odds of that moving the needle for their business enough to afford what I would want to charge for that is pretty low because it just, they're just not going to get the benefit. Like if I can increase the number of members that they get, you know, in a year by a hundred, it's not going to be worth paying me a hundred thousand dollars to do that because it's just way too much per member. On the other end of the spectrum, the very, very high end company or businesses like Navy federal, for example, it's like probably the biggest credit union in the country. And they're already going to have the budget to have people like me as full-time employees. So they don't, they're not going to really benefit from hiring me. Usually not going to benefit from hiring someone like me to come in to do something global across the organization. Because like you said, if they're ambitious and they know that they have this problem that they need being solved, they probably just have an employee that they're paying, you know, probably a hundred to $200,000 a year in salary to focus specifically on it. So you're right. You do have to kind of find this middle ground where the, the credit union is big enough to benefit from your assistance in a way that allows you to charge what you want to charge a fair amount for you, but that they, they don't have enough money to have someone full time doing it, or they haven't been able to find someone to do it full time. So when I look back at the, the people I've worked with, not just in credit unions, but over the years, just doing general consulting, it's usually someone who's, who is in a transition phase and they've got what they see as a fairly high stakes project going on. So this can happen when, uh, there is a big event in the industry, something like, you know, new president changes regulations or there is, um, some radical new technology that people are starting to explore or a huge competitor releases something that uh, is, seems really compelling and they're just way behind the curve and need to catch up quickly. 
So some sort of high profile, high risk situation where the organization is like, okay, we need to commit resources to kind of get over this next hurdle. And it has a very high stakes feel to it inside of the organization. It's a big deal. It would be really bad if it blew up in their face and they're devoting resources and attention to it. So um, they're willing to to spend money to decrease the risk of it blowing up in their face, but they either don't have the money or don't have the time to get a full-time employee in there to uh, devote all of their attention to it. Does that make sense? Is that-, that makes yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, the number one thing that, that I'm taking away right now that um, like, like it, it's funny how sometimes the best ideas are just slight shifts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I've always heard the, the the trick of is there a conference? Is there a magazine? Congratulations! You know the, the market is big enough. Mm-hmm. But identifying the problems that your potential client, or sorry, let me rephrase that. Look for people that your potential client sees as a leader or a, an influencer, mm-hmm. and what are the problems that person is talking about? Yes. What are, what what is the topic of the keynote? And that is there a conference? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes, that's a great point because I probably don't usually, and I know Philip talks about the conference thing too. You can learn a ton of information from going through a conference. So you can deconstruct a conference and get a ton of information. So first you say, okay, is there a conference? Yes. Is it small enough? Because they can be huge. Like you can, you can have, you know, whatever the Salesforce conference is, it's like 150,000 people or something insane like that. You want a you want a conference that's that is that's probably uh, it's a big pond. Let's put it like that. So you'd need to have a lot. It would take longer to become a well known authority in a pond that big. So you want to find a conference for sure that exists, but you also want to find one where there's a. It's not ginormous. Like, is there a conference that's maybe attended by five to ten thousand people? And has maybe, you know, it's maybe two days, one or two tracks, maybe have 20 speakers, a couple of keynotes, but you don't leave it at that. Uh, so you, then what I would do next is say, okay, I would go through the speaker list and look for somebody, just like you said, who's talking about something sort of similar to what I do, or, or at least related enough that it could be complimentary. And I kind of, you know, it sounds creepy, but I kind of will stalk that person online. I'll go to their, I'll find where they're most active, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever. I'll see what they're talking about. I'll see what the engagement is on their posts and their updates. And I'll think about, okay, what, what's unique about my take on this or, or what's different about my take on this? Or maybe my thing is slightly different, but similar enough that, uh, you know, I could carve out a little space for myself next to underneath above this other person and it's like all right you know this is interesting i I can see that this particular speaker you know joe smith he he uh spoke at this conference the last three years um the last year he keynoted what changed you know apparently he's doing something right um so you can go even further down that rabbit hole you can go to his site joe's site and see what kind of services he sells and uh, that sort of thing. Maybe go to the Wayback Machine and see if he's changed hmm. his site uh, regularly or often, I mean, regularly or recently, uh, or if he's been, if it's been the same for a long time. You can kind of presume that he's doing okay, <laughs> you know, with the products yeah. and services he sells. So there's just a crazy amount of information you can get there. 
Sponsors is another thing. So you can look at the people who sponsor the conference and say, okay, these are companies who are perhaps partners for you. So I've worked with some people who have a really hard time. They're in an industry that's very difficult to detect publicly available outreach signals for their service. So I'm thinking of one guy who's really good with migrating from on-premise uh, server farms to the cloud or vice versa. And it's really hard to know when someone's thinking about doing that. So, you know, maybe what you do is partner with a company that uh, doesn't want to do what you do, but they get the signal earlier in the game that somebody is thinking about this. So maybe somebody who is a, uh, you know, a, a company that has salespeople that are trying to sell the on-premise hardware or, or people at AWS who are trying to sell the company. And it's partner with those people, you know, that you would find from the sponsorship list at a particular conference and uh, see if you can come up with some mutually beneficial arrangement where, you know, you're sort of passing leads back and forth uh, in a way that's going to ultimately help clients. Another cool trick with the speaker, I was talking about Joe, what did I say? Joe Blow, (laughs) Joe Smith earlier. Um, You can also look on that person's either on their website, on their LinkedIn, on their Twitter, or perhaps they have an account on SlideShare or what's the other one, Lanyard, and see where else they speak. So it kind of, you can very quickly create this network. I see it as a web of opportunities for, you know, I'm not talking about spending a week doing this. I'm talking about maybe an, maybe an hour, but you can find this web of opportunities and make a list of all the conferences that Joe Smith spoke at and be like, Oh, here are a bunch of good conferences I should probably speak at. Do I know any, anybody that's spoken there? Am I, have I, do I have friends with any of the other speakers Am I friends with any of the other speakers or friends of friends? Can I reach out and get an introduction to the organizers? It's like, uh, there's so much information available on the internet and on conference conference sites are just a wealth of networking information. They, they're like this three-dimensional or four-dimensional spider web of data. It's, they're amazingly useful. But I didn't mean to go down a rabbit hole in the conference thing, but, um, but you said that it kind of, it, it's, thinking about it in a slightly more in-depth way was helpful? Yes, very much so. All right, cool. So what's, what is the audience, what is maybe the top couple of audiences that you're thinking about targeting. Are there any obvious ones in the, the room full of porridge bowls? Are there any obvious ones that you are thinking about? Well, I've been trying to find some that are, you know, they got to have money, obviously, uh, but are interesting and have the drive. The, the one group I've been looking at is either luxury bed and breakfasts or historic bed and breakfasts. Hmm. Um, You know, I mean, you've worked in the web for more than 10 minutes. You know that the general (laughs) person has a horrible time making content for a site, um, even at a business level. So, you know, that's one one of the things I've been looking for is, you know, what's, what's someone that can make pretty pictures or do something interesting, um, just by recording what's already there. Um, Mm-hmm. I actually tried tattoo artists for a while, but that was a that was a that was a bad roll of the dice. But you know, <laughs> they sort of bed and breakfast. They attract people that would be interested in the building, you know, the, the history of the building. Mm-hmm. So they have a story to tell. Mm-hmm. So you're not trying to, you know, teach someone how to become a, a, a writer just to get their business a little more 
uh, attention because mm-hmm. the story's already there. Right. Uh, well, so that's probably the big one. Yeah, I like I like that because it instantly. I can always tell when somebody says something that that my, my brain has this reaction where I immediately start trying to think of people I know that are in that space or that own one or run one like that, like, you know, business like you just described. And I usually call this like a Rolodex moment where, mm-hmm. where your position is, your target market is clear enough to make my brain do that. And when someone is still general, very, very general, and they're just saying, oh, I, you know, I design websites, my, your brain, it's just this, your brain do, can't. There's no handles for the there's, idea. Yeah, there's just nothing there. Your brain just doesn't react. There's just nothing. You're like, okay. Your, your response is kind of like, okay, you know, who doesn't need a website? pretty much everybody, you know, I mean, like you could imagine. And, and so the problem there is like, well, I know thousands of people. I'm connected to thousands and thousands of people on Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook and in, in real life, but I'm not going to spam them all. Like, Hey, you know, you should really talk to Josh. He, you need a website, right? You're not going to do that. Uh, in order to give your friends and family and colleagues the tools that they need to do what they want to do, which is help you, you need to come up with something that is specific enough to trigger that kind of a Rolodex moment. And when you said uh, luxury, yeah, I'm not sure which one's better, but they both triggered and they're both different and they're both going to have different, uh, probably different concerns. So a luxury B&B you said, or a historic B&B. Mm-hmm. That's super interesting. So, like, if I was gonna, if I, if we were working together, I was like, oh, okay. So, you, you know what you do, and you know what skills you have, and you believe that you can serve a, a certain class of problem with those skills, or maybe you know that you can solve a certain class of problem with those skills. So, the next thing I would do is, is talk to some people in the target market and say, hey, how's business? You know, what are what are the things that keep you up at night? If you could wave a magic wand and solve something about your business or fix something about your business, even if it's impossible, what would it be? And hopefully, but not necessarily, they're going to say something that is in the problem space that you believe that you can help them with using your particular kind of tools. There might be other kind of tools that people could solve those same problems. You know, maybe you're an internet marketer and you can solve those problems, or maybe somebody else uh, is an SEO expert, or maybe they are, maybe they, they have a guerrilla marketing thing that they do where they send people with sandwich boards walking up and down the streets, not (laughs) internet based at all. But both of you two people could solve the same problem, which is in the off season, we are way below capacity. We've got a bunch of rooms going empty and, you know, we, we really want to fill up that space somehow. So that, that's maybe a problem that has a tech solution. Maybe it's a sandwich board solution, but you need to know what the problem is so you can speak the business owner's language and, and for, and for, before you can even, before that even detect if they care about the problem and how much they care about it. So like, is this a, is this a major pain? Are you in danger of losing the place because you can't make the mortgage payments? You, you know, how quickly do you need to do this? Do you have investors that are, that helped you uh, renovate the place or build the new place out and they're getting antsy because uh, projections were were higher than reality so you know if you can talk to people and find out those things and you could say oh you know what bob 
I actually don't think I can help you. You have a problem that I can't help you with, but thanks for chatting. If I can think of anybody that can help you with that problem, I'll be sure to put them in touch with you. Or they're, they're, you're, they're like, oh, we, you know, we are sure that if we could just set up a, you know, we've, we've got 10,000 email addresses from people who have stayed here in the past. And we're confident that if we could do like a, an email marketing campaign that it would really help move the needle for us. Can you help us with that? You'd be like, yeah, I could totally do that for you. I can take that ball and run with it. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like, I feel like I, this is my answer to every question, which probably is pretty tedious for people. But you know, the solution is, is either talking to people in your potential target market or reading their mind somehow, like by doing research, like we talked about earlier, you know, conference research or other experts in the space and authorities, um, who are they listening to? Why are they listening to them? And that kind of thing. I think the quickest way is to just pick up the phone or send an email and talk to somebody. Um, but if, if not you, Josh, but dear listener, if you don't have the personality that to, you just can't bring yourself to do something like something so forward as to send an email to someone who doesn't know you, then, uh, online research, is the next best thing as long as you don't overdo it. Yeah, I think the uh, I think the big trick I'm picking up right now is is not coming across with a problem that I'm saying is important, but finding a problem uh, that that someone in their community is saying is important. Because you know who am I to them? Well, be the best thing is that they'll be saying themselves it's important. You know, if you can talk to them and find out what they think is important, that's critical. Um, but it's a, it's a decent proxy if you see that, um, you know, Joe Smith, uh, b and consultant extraordinaire has been talking about marketing automation for the last two years and he's been moving up the ranks of the speaker circuit, then it's reasonable to assume that that is a, a, a problem that needs solving for the audience. Yeah. You can't just decide, you know, the world doesn't, unfortunately, the world doesn't owe us a living to engage in our favorite activities or the skill that we have mastered. You know, my wife's an incredible knitter, but I don't think she's going to be doing $10,000 consulting gigs anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just not a problem that has a lot of money attached to it. But if you, someone's running a, a luxury b and I'll bet you they have all sorts of problems that boil down to money. And there are a lot of uh, what I would call leading indicators that will be on their minds that will solve their money problems. So, you know, more capacity, um, uh, deferred maintenance, uh, loan service, debt service. There could be all sorts of things that the, uh, the people who are running the BNB, the owner, whatever, whatever the owner is called, the president of the BNB, <laughs> mm -hmm. they, there are all sorts of problems that they have. And your, your job with reason, if you're going to do research, your job is to find the overlap in the Venn diagram of their problems, mm -hmm. the, not the problems you think they have, or even that, you know, they have the problems that they know they have that overlap with solutions that you can provide. Pretty important distinction. Oh yeah. Cool. Um, is that, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to take up your whole day. Is that, does that help with the original Goldilocks question? Um, 
I think it bypasses it, so it solves the problem without actually beating up the problem itself. Meta. And sometimes that's an <laughs> even better solution. Right. Right. All right, great. Well, we can probably wrap it up there. Uh, Josh, where can people find out more about you online? Uh, right now, my primary website is rustbeltwebworks.com. Awesome. Great name. All right. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. Thanks for the help. The next time someone asks you for your hourly rate, you should say, I don't have one. To learn what to say next, visit valuepricingbootcamp.com to sign up for my free email course. That website again is valuepricingbootcamp.com. Hey, Jonathan again. Do you have questions about how to improve your business? Things like value pricing your work instead of billing for your time, or positioning yourself as the go-to person in your space, or maybe productizing your services so you never have to have another awkward sales call or spend hours writing another custom proposal. Book a one-on-one coaching call with me and get answers to these questions and others in the time it takes you to get ready for work in the morning. Best of all, you're covered by my 100% satisfaction guarantee. If at the end of the call, you don't feel like it was worth it, just say the word and I'll refund your purchase in full. To book your one-on-one coaching call, go to jonathanstark.com slash call, C-A-L-L. That URL again is jonathanstark.com slash call. Hope to see you there.